Welcome to another interview of Private Practice Success Stories. And today I am joined with Krista Kilbane. She's a licensed clinical social worker in Austin, Texas. Welcome. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> you got me on the hottest day of the year. I think it's 102 today. So. Oh, dear me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't really miss that at all. That's the one thing I don't miss, that heat and humidity. Yeah, it's not fair that you're where I grew up and I'm where you grew up. I, I think know. Which. <laughs> well, the reason why we do these interviews is because I think it's important for people to hear what success looks like in private practice, how it can look different for everyone, and also to understand what it takes to get there and how there's many, many paths and journeys. So I just want an, a chance to um, get to know your journey, and I know a bit about it, but for other people to hear it and talk about, yeah, the process, the ups and downs. So <clears throat> tell me a little bit about your background and why you even went into social work. Okay. Um, I actually was in fashion merchandising. That was right out of high school. I was going to be a buyer at uh, Nordstrom's or something. That's what I wanted to do. Cool. <laughs> but I always like people. And when I decided to get serious about going to school. The, all the psychology courses kept, you know, interesting me. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going to undergraduate at Long Beach State mm -hmm. and did um, a program. I did a program there in psychology. And then when you graduate with a psychology degree, you realize you can't do anything with it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, I must go on. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting because when I was um, at Long Beach State, I, had, I got married. I was 24 when I got married. So I was married going back to school. And my professors were really pushing me to do research and work with them. And so they pushed me to go into a PhD program. So I actually, we lived in California. My husband's job was going to be possibly moving to Austin. And I was going to go to graduate school. And I ended up getting into the UT uh, school of, it was school psychology program. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, that's the universe telling me that that's exactly what I should do. So I, I said, okay. So we moved to Texas. Um, got in the program, spent about, I guess, a semester and realized I hated it. Mm. <laughs> and I thought, what the heck have I done? I hate this. And it, it just seemed like it was more geared towards research and mm -hmm. never really seeing people. Mm -hmm. So I actually went and saw a therapist and, you know, I asked her, I said, well, I just want to do what you do. And she said, well, get the hell out of the PhD program <laughs> that you're in <laughs> and do what I do and go get a degree in social work. Because I thought, you know, social work, is an office with cockroaches and it just didn't sound that appealing to me. So <laughs> I was like, so I ended up doing that and um, my concentration was marriage and family. Mm -hmm. I did that uh, through the university of UT. I stayed at UT. Um, and then right out of school, you know, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do right out of school. Private practice back then I graduated in 96. And so for the school of social work, they really discouraged it. They wanted you to move towards social justice and they wanted you to work for, you know, nonprofit agencies. Um, they didn't really say go be a practitioner on your own. Mm -hmm. So I did. I went and worked at an agency, um, Reproductive Services of Austin. So I provided counseling for uh, people who were, you know, found themselves pregnant, people who found themselves wanting to either place their baby for adoption or terminate or, you know, there was all kinds of things. So I ended up being a, um, a birth mother advocate for a while, which wow. was really, yeah, that was neat. I really enjoyed that. And then I uh, 
I did that for a while, and then I ended up uh, working in long-term care, just kind of a fluke. I belonged to this big group of uh, bunco people, and they're all in the health industry. Mm-hmm. They were like, we need a director of social services. I was like, well, I'm a social worker. <laughs> <laughs> My school would be proud. I will be the director of social services. <laughs> so, so I did that for a while. Uh, I liked that. I did a lot of grief counseling, mm-hmm. working with families, uh, a lot of Alzheimer's. Mm aging uh, in general, working with families. The families were, were rewarding because it was hard to watch their loved ones go through what they were going through. Right. And then I ended up having a baby, and I decided it was time to take seven years off. <laughs> uh-huh. So I left on good terms, and I took seven years to raise my family. And when my son got back, uh, my youngest got into kindergarten, I realized – I needed to go back to work you know, mm-hmm. for many reasons. And I just, I, I felt like I had this, you know, I wasn't finished. I still had work to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked at his school for a while as a teaching assistant. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they're like, you're here all the time. Why don't you get paid? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh, is that an, that's an option? My husband's like, yay. <laughs> so I, uh, I went back to school and I got my degree degree in teaching. I did an alternative certification program uh-huh. and I was a special education teacher. I am a special education teacher. Mm-hmm. Also, so I worked with kids gifted and talented. And then I ended up working with kids who had reading, writing, they were two or three years behind, mm-hmm. which is interesting because I thought I'd do the behavioral aspects of teaching because I'm a therapist. <laughs> and here I am teaching them how to read and write and do math. Uh-huh. <laughs> but so I did that for six years and it was, you know, again, it was great work. All the work I've done, I feel like has been great work, but I just, it got to the point where I was, I felt like I was becoming part of the problem, not part of the solution with the testing and ah. pushing kids and the system was just, it just got unbearable. And I'd watch the kids cry and my kids couldn't read, you know, they'd had learning disabilities that were beyond just teaching them how to read. Yeah. And they would have them still take the standardized test and they would cry. And I thought, you know, I've become part of the machine. And so long story short, the guy I worked for um, in long-term care back in before I had my kids called me, made me an offer. I couldn't refuse, showed me money, showed me a pretty office and said, come on. And I said, okay, I'm coming. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So I kind of left for the money, which I'd never done that in my life. Um, mm-hmm. And when I got there, I really realized that I had to kind of sell my soul to stay there. <laughs> mm-hmm. There were some issues there, too, that didn't feel right. Yeah. Um, so I worked there for a year. I gave it a commitment because I, you know, I love working with the elderly, the people, the families. Mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. it was the system. I just, it, it, you know, there's not anything unethical going on. It's more just further away from the people yeah. and more about the business. Mm-hmm. So people were telling me, you know, all along since 96, they're like, you'd be a great therapist, go out on your own. And I was afraid. And I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to get sued. Ah, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I'm married to an engineer. Uh-huh. They're like, going to sue you. I'm like, and you know, it kind of scared me. I thought, you know, yeah, people are going to sue me. I'm not sure I can do this. And, so it's sort of like the system feels, in a way, the system creates this idea of safety, of protection. But at the same time, yes, 
it, it removes you from your passion. But to yes. follow your passion meant that there was some risk. Yeah, and right. fear. Lots yeah. of fear and lots of risk. Yeah. And, you know, I had to do my own work around my fears, and I still do my own work around my fears. Um, but for some reason, I just – the way that I was able to do it is I set short goals. I didn't try to look at the big picture and become overwhelmed by it. So I looked at, okay – I can get an office. I looked at the minimum of what I need to do. Right. And I did, I went online and that's how I found Mm y'all. And I found, um, Joe, Mm -hmm. uh, Tamara Suttle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There was, um, Oh, Hanks, Julie Hanks. Julie Hanks. Yeah. And there was a lot of free information out there. Yeah. Then, um, Oh, our documentation lady, Melissa. Is that Uh Melissa? Melissa yeah. Hall. Melissa mm-hmm. Hall. From QA Prep. Yeah. From QA Prep, yes. And I talked to her now online. But it was like I, I reached out to the community that was online. Yeah. And I said, you know, what do I do? And I looked at the basics. I remember Joe had a podcast, and it said, starting your own practice, what do you do? And mm-hmm. so I did the basics of getting the office, um, got my insurance, of course, you know, filed what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And just set the short-term goals. I said, you know, by – it was May and I said, okay, I'll rent an office for six months and, and these are my goals. I'll have mm-hmm. this many clients. Um, and I just, I tried not to look at the big picture of being overwhelmed. Instead, I just, you know, I always tell my kids, I had to take my own advice. How do you eat an alligator? You know, one bite at a time. <laughs> I, think that, well, and I think that's or an elephant or you can say it about anything. <laughs> I think that's good for anyone listening. I mean, when I started, I think I'm kind of like you in that I don't like love a ton of risk, no. and I and but I want to commit. I want to commit, and then let's evaluate. Right. So it's like right. what, what do I need to do right now, and then okay, is this working or is this not? And then I can commit even further, and then I can make you know a big vision because even like looking at Zinni Me, where we are today, mm-hmm. is not anywhere where we thought we would be. And it's a good thing, but I remember our first thing was a project. Let's try it. Let's see how it goes. So I think there's value in that, you know, just getting your basic nuts and bolts. That's what we teach with like the business planning. What's the nuts and bolts you need right now before you get into the huge picture? Eventually you do have kind of a vision, but cool. So how long ago did you do that, Krista? Like I did that. It was May of 2014. Okay. I left my job and I left my job gradually again, you know, I needed mm-hmm. that little bit of sure. safety. So I, I went to part-time uh, mm-hmm. as the director. Again, I did it. I was able to work out a part-time way to do it. And then when I wasn't at the office, I had sublet an office downtown mm-hmm. and I would go there and, you know, see clients two days a week. Mm-hmm. And I looked at, you know, I did do psychology today and I did, I did psychology day first and my referrals were coming from personal referrals and then psychology today I would get every now and then I found I had to really, for some reason, if I go in and change my psychology today every month, just change it up a little bit, I'd get more calls. I don't know if it was just me, you know, creating a ritual about it or, mm-hmm. you know, but truly letting go and finding a place of peace with the universe is what, if I look at the one thing that really got me through was just when I would feel the fear, I'd let go. And I know that 
that's not so easy just to say. It's like you have to understand how to do that. But <laughs> yeah. But it, it was, um, that was helpful for me. And when did you make the full leap? Okay, so the full leaps, I did the six months, and then I ended up renewing it. So I did it for a year. And then May of 2015, I made the leap full time. And you found me a beautiful office. <laughs> that's so funny because I, but that, that's another thing I want to say is reach out and find a sense of community wherever you find it. Yeah. If it's online, find one online, find one around you, find people, you know, you can go to um, those meetups. I went to a few meetups. I went to a few really bad meetups. <laughs> yeah. I went to a few really good meetups. Right. But I, I needed a sense of community because I'd been out of the community. I didn't just graduate from college. And that's what I'm finding. There were, there's a network of people just graduating. But maybe there's not a network for people like me going back into the field that already have the experience. Right. And what I like about your story is that each, each like turn and in direction that you took built upon each yes. other. And I think sometimes people can forget that, that it's all part of a bigger plan and picture and it's all valuable. Like your experience as a teacher is valuable and how mm-hmm. you help people now with like ADHD and things like that, you know, like it's amazing. And also about how you paid attention to opportunity. Like you, yes. you just like looked at where doors were opening Yes. I didn't force, I, I have learned in my life that when I force something, if, if I'm thinking about it too long, trying like, I call it the Rubik's Cube theory. If I'm just trying that Rubik's Cube every which way and I can't get it, it's time to let it go. <laughs> That's great. The universe telling me, let it go, get some space from it and let it go because things shouldn't be that hard. What do you love about private practice now? Oh, I've always loved the work. When I get frustrated or I get procrastinate or I feel down, I go back to my soul's purpose. And my soul's purpose is to work with people. And when I'm in my office, because I have a new office now, it's mine. You know, before I was settling, sometimes I'll just shut my door and I'll look around and be like, damn, this is mine. (laughs) And I'll just sit on my couch or I'll sit in my chair. I'll look at my little Buddha and just you know, be filled with gratitude of this is really mine. And, mm. you know, having the people come into this space and knowing that I've created this space where they feel safe. I mean, they're doing, this is a serious, this is serious work that we do. Mm-hmm. And when they come in and we have this connection um, and there's no agency noise in my head, maybe mm-hmm. there's when I come in and out of my office and people come in and out, there's this nice flow to it. And, I don't feel this pressure of people. It's it's like a it's able. I'm able to make this connection with people better because I don't have the noise from the bureaucracy or the noise from the expectations of you know the system. Um, private practice for me has removed Big Brother, I guess, because <laughs> 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 I'm accountable to me. You know, yeah, clients, of course. But what has been some of the the difficult parts about building the practice? There's, uh, I think you can get yourself overwhelmed. I'll talk about being overwhelmed. And overwhelmed to me is when you start seeing all these avenues of, you know, oh, we'll do Periscope, the newest one. 
do, you know, Pinterest, do this, do this, do Facebook, buy pins, buy this, buy that. And you see people doing things. And for a while I jumped in and felt like I was inadequate because I didn't have all these things going. So if someone's just starting, pick one. And I know you say this in boot camp. (laughs) (laughs) But no one listened. (laughs) If I would have (laughs) listened. It's like dangling candy in front of us. We're like, whoa, what's that? (laughs) That's what it's like. It's like Christmas. And you're like, oh, look at all these things. You you want to do them all. And then, but I I did. I burned myself out to a point of, then I wasn't having fun anymore. And so pick one. You know, Facebook was a good one for me to pick. Pick Facebook because I had an understanding of it. And I think what you said, build on it. I know you'll get to that point eventually, but you're not going to jump in and be zinny me. You're not going to jump in and be something else. You're going to, you're you mm-hmm. and you're adding on to it. And, you know, where I was even back in May, I look at it now, you know, and I've got my Facebook page. I've got, you know, these little milestones add up. But if I would have tried to have it all, you know, then I would have just, probably would have quit it. Yeah. And I think too, like trying to have it all and be perfect at it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Thing of like, yeah. I don't know if you saw the email, but last week we had like an email go out that should not have gone out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like things don't go perfectly. No. <laughs> that's, that's probably my journey now. I'd say in the last, um, gosh, probably the last six months, last, probably the last two months. Mm-hmm. It's really that vulnerability factor and allowing myself to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I remember I used to post on, um, this is funny, this is me revealing myself, on um, my vulnerability, but I would post on boot camp mm-hmm. and I would like read it and read it and code, read it, read it. And I'd like, oh, delete, delete, read it. Mm-hmm. So one day I told myself, I'm like, Krista, you are Krista. You are not anybody else. You are just Krista. So be that. So I would type and I push send and I wouldn't read them. And I'd be like, <gasps> what did I send? <laughs> <laughs> and that, you know, the more I did that and the more I've just, you know, walked away from it after I do it and not, not hold on to it. Right. Because that, that probably is the thing that keeps me grounded the most is it's me. I'm me. Mm-hmm. And when you start feeling like you're other people or you're supposed to be doing what other people are doing, yeah. Or it's supposed to look like, you know, somebody else. I mean, there's some amazing people out there. And sure, if I could wake up and be, you know, zinny me tomorrow. But that, you wouldn't want to I would, I would lose, but I would lose my soul's purpose. Yeah, you know? I think would. that's what it is. <laughs> it might look on the outside. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be zinny me. <laughs> you feel crazy. <laughs> like, what? Maybe I'll, well, maybe I'll be Tamara Subtle then. Or I'll yeah, be, she's I'll great. Be, I'll I love her. <laughs> No, I think you're, I think this is something that's so huge. And I think that this is the beauty of community is that we remind yes. each other of that when we forget, because, um, I don't want anyone to be like me. I want you to find you, you know? And I think the other point you made that I want to go back to about the whole aspect of you post and you move on. I think a lot of things need to be like that, like yeah. that detaching yes absolutely because you know if you stay in something that's already happened you're stuck and right right you just need forward just keep going and learn as things come you know I think if you don't detach 
it's when you can't detach, you're not allowing yourself to be who you are. Because mm-hmm. I know the minute I detach from it, there's an acceptance of self. I've mm-hmm. accepted who I am and whatever anybody says or thinks about what I post is an opinion. Yeah. But it doesn't change me. Right. And, you know, and I'm not putting anything out there in anybody's face. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an antagonist. <laughs> it's just me feeling vulnerable. Yeah. But I accepting my vulnerability is the detachment like you said is letting go once it's posted to say it's perfectly beautiful the way it came out because that's where I was and what I wanted to say yeah so if someone's listening right now and um, they're starting their private practice what kind of encouragement do you have for them I would ask them what's your soul's mission Mm -hmm. figure out who you are Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, don't give up and when you feel overwhelmed or you feel like it's not working or you feel like, you know, it's, you know, look at, are you pushing it? Are you trying to push something or allow, allow it to happen and stay again? I just keep going back to staying true to yourself because when you try to become something you're not, that's when I felt, I feel resistance. Mm-hmm. When I'm me, I feel flow. When I'm not, there's a resistance going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, have a good time management plan in place. I know you posted that last week. I was like, yeah, <laughs> because I, you know, I understand that, but I, I would, you know, break what I do do is I break things down into goals. Um, and then I have a good time management system and I try to stick to it because being your own boss and being a perfectionist and being all the things that we bring to this, it never ends. It, it, it would never end. You never have time for yourself. And to be kind to yourself. When you start feeling mad at yourself, that's an, a reminder to be kind to yourself. Hmm. And that's when you take a break. And that's when you walk away and you go look outside or you reconnect to family or, you know, whatever Which, it is. What's some of the ways you like to be kind to yourself? I like to go outside. I'll go outside and connect with nature. I feel connected to my soul when I'm with nature. Mm-hmm. I go to a boot camp at 5.30 in the morning. I've been doing it for two years. Every morning at 5.30, I go exercise with a bunch of other crazy people at 5.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so I, I find that sets my day, mm-hmm. uh, gets me going. And it's something I'm doing that's nice for myself. Yeah. And ritual is important. Well, that's one of my little things behind my wall is ritual. That's mindfulness, ritual, and tapping. Those are my big, mm-hmm. my big areas. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was reading, it's funny, I have all my books here with me. The Miracle Morning, he has the ritual mm-hmm. in there. And then the Inner Matrix, I'm reading that. <laughs> I do Zen tangling. I don't know if you've ever done Zen tangling. I have not. Zen tangling is cool. That's a meditative, you know, I don't like the word meditate because I have ADHD. And mm-hmm. so when people tell me to meditate, I'm like, you know, leave me alone because I don't know, I, can't, I don't know how. Mm-hmm. But there's other ways, you know, so Zen tangling is a doodling kind of art form uh-huh. and just putting different doodles together creates a piece of art. And so it's, it's a very, um, I'm have to check that out. I know. See, I'll put my little book up here for you. <laughs> Pattern play. Pattern play. Cool. And you do it in little increments. And when you're finished, it creates kind of like a doing a, uh, a quilt. You do little pieces at a time and then, once you put them all together and I've seen it work with people who have a hard time connecting with the therapist through words, uh-huh. if they're experienced, if they've experienced 
um, trauma. Disentangling uh-huh. is a very good tool to use too. I've seen it used. I'm learning something new. <laughs> I love it. And soul collage. Have you done soul collage? Yeah. That's cool too. Yeah. yeah. I love that. So I guess getting in touch with my intuitive side gives me the balance. So that mm-hmm. would be how I take care of myself mm-hmm. when I feel rattled or just go be silly. I mean, I'm a total smart aleck too. I don't know if it comes off on here, but <laughs> I'm a jokester, smart aleck. And, mm-hmm. you know, I usually I'm tormenting my children. I have two teenagers. So. <laughs> So what do you what do you see coming up for you in your practice this next year? Well, I'm going to create a product. I'm going to do a webinar, and I'm going to create content. I keep hearing in my mind content. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, I have this board behind me, and I think it comes from my teaching days of loving my little dry erase board and my little markers. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. when I was a teacher, you know, I was always writing on the board, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of my. Um, it's where I dump my dumping ground. It's not dumping in a bad sense. It's just yeah, creative thoughts out. Are coming out. Yeah, mm-hmm. like my vision board. I guess it's an active vision board. How about that? Yeah. So yeah. other stream of income, other way of helping people um, in the world aside from your one-on-one time. Yes, because my big thing, my niche that I had to, I pulled together finally, <laughs> is you know working with people with limiting beliefs. Uh huh. And it's when you have limiting beliefs about yourself, let's find out what those are. And I do the EFT, I think I told you that. The yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a release of, you know, I did cognitive behavioral therapy for a long time and felt like we could get to a certain point. And then I felt like I was really jipping people <laughs> because I felt like it was kind of Groundhog Day. You know, we would keep going over and over. You know, people would make change. People did well. I'm not, you know, yeah. CBT is great. But for me, I found adding the tapping to it or adding some type of, release from the body of the emotion was helpful too. Beautiful. So So if people want to get in touch with you, how can they find you? They can find me at, they can go to Facebook, Krista Kilbane, or they can look at (laughs) www.com at suitable solutions therapy.com. And it's funny because you think I have it up here. Oh, I do have it up here. Suitablesolutions.com. Okay. Yeah. And I have one thing for people that are trying to come up with their business name. Uh huh. Don't pick something so long like I did. Suitable <laughs> Solutions Therapy. Yep. That oh, took me a long time. Don't put a Z in yours. Yeah. Why? And then <laughs> I know. I know. And it took me days. A friend and I came up with that and we were so excited. And I was like, Suitable Solutions. Suitable, you know, and I just loved it. And then I registered it and I got it back and I had to type it in once for an email. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, that's so long. <laughs> yeah, we always encourage people, type it. Let's see how well you do with typing it. <laughs> that's the advice I'd give right there because I would have never picked suitable solutions, therapy, la, la, la. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Well, and you're welcome. It was great I'm talking to you. I'm excited to see what comes in the next year for you and just what a beautiful testament to following your passion and like you're saying, your soul's purpose and listening being open to different ways and of doing the work. And in that you get lessons and further guidance of where to go. And so definitely. And I plan to show up at this boot camp. I was an observer last time, but I'm going to show up this time (laughs) and I'm going to understand and I'm going to let go. (laughs) That sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. If anyone's in Austin, Texas, come, come see me. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. 
All right. Thanks, guys. Right. Uh, if you have a question for Krista, post below, and she'll be checking on this blog when it launches. And share, you know, what do you find that your soul's purpose is? And we will see you next time. Bye.